Welcome. I'm your host, Alex Avila, founder of College, Career, and Beyond, also known as CAB, where our listeners go on a journey and hear stories about academic, economic, political, social struggles, and or advancements in today's world. Stay tuned and plug with CAB. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another podcast. I am a host. I'm your host, Alex Avila. And we have an amazing, talented, uh, beautiful uh, individual here today. I'm going to let them introduce themselves, but they're very passionate. Um, they're incredible. Their story is amazing. And I hope to do another three or four episodes with this person. And I met this person. I've, I've seen her, I've seen her around uh, a few times, but you know how you see somebody, but you don't really know them. And then you just happen to one day just say, hey. And... Uh, she said, hey, and I said, hey, and then we started talking, and I was fascinated by her story. I feel like her story needs to be shared across the planet because this is a true testimonial of resiliency, right, survival, and thinking about moving forward. How do you do that? Not just as an individual, but as a parent, as a, as a career person, as a, as a student, as a, as a spiritual person. How do we how do we take steps to move forward? And so we were talking and she had a thousand stories. I was like, she has to be on my show. I have to get her on this podcast because her story was just phenomenal. So I'm going to just let her introduce herself um, and tell her where we at. And then we're just going to have a couple questions and just, she's going to just, this is her platform. This is her. So with no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the amazing, the talented and Absolutely brilliant, beautiful uh, Priscilla. Hi, everyone. I just want to say thank you for allowing me to share this story of mine. And my goal is just to allow people to see things in different perspective. So with that being said, uh, my name is Priscilla Brown, and I work here at Young Visionaries. And I am a mentor specialist. My passion is to mentor um, at-risk youth, but not only youth, but women. I have a circle of women that we keep in contact almost all the time. (laughs) These are my friends. These are my sisters in Christ. And I believe that accountability is very, very important. So. And, and I'm glad you bring that up. You know, mm-hmm. she mentions young visionaries. They're located in Southern California, uh, primarily in the IE area, the Empire area. Um, they touch Victorville, San Bernardino, they, they're throughout that region. And yeah, how many schools are you in? 20 schools, right? Or something like that. 15, 20 schools. I'm not exactly sure how many schools, but for sure we have our own school that we go and have a mission for us so. right right because i know mm-hmm. you had a site and um that is uh the ceo of that is terrence stones uh and he's been working and building that platform for almost two over two decades so i think just about or he's touching two decades right. and so i commend him to, for um finding talent like yourself and having talent like yourself uh go back into the community give back um so let's just uh so your story is kind of unique. You mm-hmm. uh, have, of course, you were born in San Bernardino? 
I wasn't born here. Okay. I was born in Fontana. Okay, Fontana. But raised in San Bernardino. Okay, Fontana, for those who don't know, that's just uh, about 10, 15 minutes away from San Bernardino. Mm-hmm. Uh, and San Bernardino, the Inland Empire, is literally uh, 30 to 45 minutes away from Los Angeles, for those who are not from this region. And so, uh, yeah, so let's talk about you. You're, are you, what's, what's your race, ethnicity? I am Hispanic, Spanish, and Indian. And with that being said, my parents, they lived a life of two different gangs. They were in and out of jail or prison. Um, They were engaged in drugs, alcohol, violence, hurt. So this is all your life? Like, all your, since you've known your parents? From what I know, yes. So since birth, your family has been in gangs? Drugs mm-hmm. and prison. That's just been part My of parents. Wow. Yes, that was part of their life. And um, also anger and abuse. Mm. And I will share that later, why I even said anger. But this is most of their life. And um, my mother, she's still living that life. When you say that life, what do you mean? I'm speaking about the drugs and alcohol and um, hurt and she's still bound in those things. So, and it's amazing because you're not. I, I'm looking at an amazing individual right <laughs> now in front of me, and yeah. she looks like if you saw her, you would know that she, she was going through that kind of stuff. She has the most amazing and infectious smile, and you would never think, you know, a person like yourself were was dealing with that kind of stuff and you also have another mom you have two mothers yes my other mother her name is Valtelina Brown and she is African-American well she's actually from the islands okay but she is African-American and I'm so thankful to have her in my life but going back okay go right ahead, a little bit so my parents I believe that they were separated during this time. Mm -hmm. From what I heard, my parents got in a divorce um, when I was eight years old. Okay. So when my mom came out of jail, she wanted me and my brother Michael back with her. They have a total of five children, but my mom and my father had four together. And with those, with my parents being in two different gangs, they were actually against one another. So, so they were in opposite gangs yes. that were going to war with each other. Yes. Oh my gosh! And they had you. They had all of us. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes. Well, so, so was it a secret that they were together? I have no okay, idea. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm I sorry. wish I knew Go that ahead. too. That's, that is so dangerous. <laughs> all right, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go yes. Ahead. So. Um, that's why I believe that me and my brothers, we are miracles. And I'm bold enough to share this story um, only because I lived with my mother the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. Me and my brothers, we never lived in the same home, ever. So we you, were always separated. When you say, um, is what are you talking about? Homelessness, staying with family members? I mean, what do you mean? Or moving from place to place? So what I'm saying is my the the five siblings we never lived in the same household together. We were always separated. At one point 
my brother Hector and Angel lived with my grandmother, which is my mom's mom. Mm -hmm. And me and my brother Michael lived with my mother. We went back with my mother. Okay. Because before we were just moving right from home to home through family members and my mom would leave us with neighbors and you know things she just like that left you with neighbors yeah she you know it's it's the background you right. know the drugs the alcohol and you know she was bound to those things so i know that with so many other people that i've heard you know their story drugs and alcohol does have a big part of separating mothers right. and families and even children. So me and my brother Michael, we lived with my mom, and then she had another baby, which is my brother Johnny. He's now 18 years old. And we never lived together, but then when we were living in Little Africa, at Little Africa is a neighborhood in San Bernardino, mm -hmm. uh, California. And at the time, uh, uh, Little Africa was known for like to be impoverished and was riddled with drugs, alcohol, and um, a lot of gang activity. Mm -hmm. And um, it looked like uh, it belonged in another country because it looks like a third world country because, you know, like the boarded up uh, windows and and. and so it looked crazy. I remember because I had students mm -hmm. or people, young folks I used to mentor from CCLM who were going there. I used to have to pick them up and drop right. them off. So just to paint a context. Um, and it was like how many, it's like how many, it's like two stories, right? There were two-story apartments. Yes, there were two-story apartments and then they had separated uh, complexes. Yes. At the first apartments we moved into were called the Autumn Woods. Mm. That's not the name anymore. I don't, I'm not sure the name that it is now. But the Autumn Woods was the first apartments that we moved into in San Bernardino after my mom got out of jail. And before we moved there, I was living with my dad's mother. Okay. And my grandmother did not want to release me and my brother to my mom. Or my dad, because right. she knew the lifestyle that they lived for so long. Right. But my dad spoke to his mother, and he told his mom, I need you to give my kids back to, to Elma. Her name is Elma. And so when that happened, you know, me and my brother, we're naive. We don't know what neighborhood we're going to be moving to. Um, and at that time I was about seven years old and my brother was three. Mm -hmm. He was about three. Um, so we moved over here to this city and my mom and From my where, dad. I'm sorry. From Fontana? No. From LA? I actually don't remember yeah, the city okay. I came from. I know where he's because you moved my, around a lot. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember, but for sure, when we moved here, my um, my mom and my dad, by surprise, they were racist. They were trying to go ahead. So, for those who don't know, Little Africa at that time was almost black, mostly black. Yes, families. The majority. Majority was black with Latino families, but pre pre predominantly black. Yes. Uh, complex. 
Yes. Uh, and some people call it the projects, mm-hmm. right? And so um, when she says she's moving to Little Africa, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I just wanted the audience to understand what that. So a Mexican yes, family course. moving into a, a Little Africa. Little Africa. Yeah, go right ahead. And it's not in Africa like in Africa. Like it's in California, San Bernardino. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, go right ahead. So when my mother moved us over here, I didn't know that they were racist. And for them to pressure me to change how I was, because I was naturally a caring little girl. I was able to, you know, just adjust to any neighborhood, you know, make friends easily and things like that. And I'm just going to share a few things that my mom and my dad imparted, tried to impart in me as a little girl, but it never succeeded. So, for one, because I shared that my mother was an alcoholic and she was on drugs, when we moved to Little Africa, um, we were across neighbors that were African-American. And... When she was under the influence, she would get into fights and arguments with them, you know, to the point that she would put us at risk, just all of us, <laughs> you know, her, herself, me, and my brother. But what she didn't know is that I was friends with the kids across. So she wasn't aware that you were friends with the people in the neighborhood. Right. That you gained their trust and their respect. Mm-hmm. So when she was doing what she was doing. Yeah. She was really hurting your friends. Yes. And then at the same time, I was being hurt because, you know, my mom, she would say offensive things. Like the N-word probably? Or just I wasn't sure. Okay. To be honest, when my mom was under their influence. Anything can be said. Anything can be said. Mm -hmm. But I always stayed outside. Right, right, right. I never wanted to be around her. It's uncomfortable. And her friends, right. And it's embarrassing. Exactly. So... I didn't engage in wanting to hear desire what she would tell them Mm -hmm. and vice versa. But um, I can remember a time when, you know, they were getting agitated. My mother and, you know, the people across from Mm us. Um, And I had to come outside crying because I did not. It was so many of you know the family like they had a big family and it was just my mom but it just angered me like why is my mom out here causing problems right you know just mind your business you know come back inside don't say nothing (laughs) but she under the influence yes okay yes so that speaks volumes there too but the thing is she did not know like i mentioned that i was friends with black people in those apartments and i'm glad you're saying this um partially because you know a lot of people like to move away or Mm -hmm. don't want to talk about the race uh, issue and part of it because people are uncomfortable yes and so that level of uncomfort uh creates a challenge for people um and so I, i say that to say that because um my father, you know, I'm Latino and black, black Latino, whatever you want to call it, Hondureño and whatever terms you want to use. And so when you see us, we're black. Our skin is black. You mm-hmm. know, so when people see my name, Alex, I'll be like, yes, 
my family is from Central America. They migrated to the U.S. And, uh, you know, it's it's fascinating because, you know, you know, you when you're in a neighborhood, you're in a neighborhood. And right. kids are kids. They're just going to interact with who they're going to interact with. Right. Because parents do their thing. Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of there. Yeah. And if you're outside, you have to engage with someone and hopefully it's a good interaction. You know, I used to get jumped a lot and beat up because I was different. Mm. But eventually I got friends. Right, and so right. I say that because I remember my dad once telling me, a few times telling me, don't hang out with those people. And I'm like, those people? And I, I was confused. I'm like, what people you're talking about, Pops? And he was like, no, nah, he's obviously different now. He's changed. But I'm talking about back then. It was like hard. He was like, yeah, I don't want you hanging out with black people. And I, when he said that, I looked at myself. I, w- I must have been like nine or ten. Right. I, he said that. I looked at myself and said, "Black people, but Dad, we're black." Right. He was like, "We're not that type of black." Mm. And I was like, "Wait, I'm, I was confused, right? right?" But that's just the level of ignorance, right? Because yeah. there's people who also who look black who don't associate with black Americans, mm-hmm. right? There's a negative connotation. And I was born in New York City and raised in New York City, right? And so, um, yeah, that whole issue or that whole struggle with blackness and being around that, you know, has a lot of negative connotations. But I'm sorry, what was your experience with details with that? Because I know you was hinting on on going in there. Yeah, so I remember one time I had to run outside crying because I did not know what was going to happen. It was just so traumatizing, you know, because I'm this little girl... Um, I get along with almost everyone that I interact with. And then for my mom to be out there by herself alone but causing problems, um, it, it worried me. I was concerned. So I remember they are arguing and I run outside and I'm like, please, I'm crying. Please, please don't hurt my mom. And I'm trying to get my mom to go inside the house. And then because she didn't listen, I just ended up leaving. But my neighbors knew how terrified I was for my mom. And I know at one point they also respected the fact that they, you know, they had a level of love and care for me too. So I ended up leaving um, to go play with my other friends, which is you know, which are African-Americans, because that's all I knew. That's all I hung out with. And, you know, that's just one example. But I also had um, another example with my mom. She used one black shoe and one white shoe to try to convince me to hate these groups of people, but to a greater degree toward black people. And at that at this time, she was also under the influence. Another time with my father, my father traumatized me how he treated my mother to the point I never gave my own people a chance to be in a relationship with me as I got older. And with that being said, it's it's amazing how what your mother and your father can do to you as a child, it can really traumatize you to the point that you don't um, desire to be who they want you to be. And I'm so glad that despite every odd against me 
concerning racism and me being a little girl just trying to be innocent and trying to love the people I engage with that I never allowed that seed in my heart to produce. To the contrary, what all this happened, what it, what it made me do was desire to be around black people, desired to find out more about them and, and try to find the why. Why does my parents want me to dislike this group of people? Another thing that happened was, another thing that uh, my dad did was um, when I lived in Fontana with my aunt, I got taken, after we moved to San Bernardino and a couple years that I stayed with my mom, we ended up getting taken away from the system. So I went to go move. Um, I ended up being in the system. But before all of that, I went to go stay with my aunt and Fontana. So I went back to Fontana. My dad would come and visit me, and there would be African Americans in the neighborhood as well. And they were my friends too. <laughs> So my dad, though, every time we would drive through the neighborhood, he will, in an angrily voice, he would tell me, put your head down. I do not want you to look at these black men. Wow. And I literally had to listen to him. I, um, my father, I had this fear for my dad. You know, I loved him unconditionally despite how my parents raised us and even if they were there for us or not even after i went into custody i still loved my parents and i just had to listen to him i literally put my head down every single time we would pass an african-american but not not just i'm not talking about the the black women i'm speaking about the black men my dad did not want me to desire a black man. Mm. So so he he worked overnight almost just to get you out of that. And then the crazy thing right. is that your she adopted you or you was forced to like how your black your, your mother who's African American, which how does that work? Um well, I was in foster care. Oh, okay. they took me in the system. So, I know so my well, I don't know. I'm mm -hmm. assuming that you leave your family Mm -hmm. And I want you to get back to those details. And then you have all this memory, all this trauma. Mm -hmm. And then the person that adopts you, I mean, be, that becomes your foster mom, mm -hmm. happens to be the very... A black woman, yes. That should... But... Okay. What, the awesome thing about that is um, when I got taken into the system, my first foster mom was... Um, Latina. She was Hispanic. Unfortunately, she had um, illnesses. She was sick. She had diabetes. And she ended up passing away. So when that happened, I was really worried. I'm like, what is going to happen to me? At this time, I believe I was in the, I was in the eighth grade. And, and, um, so when they came and picked me up from her house, they asked me if there was a particular family I wanted to request. 
And because I was, despite everything I went through, and I'm going to share, um, I'm going to share a little bit more about Little Africa, my experience over there with my parents. Um, what happened was when they asked me, did I have a request? I let them know, can you place me with the black family? You said that. I said that. You requested that. Yes. Because in Little Africa, like I said, despite all of everything my mom and my dad tried to impart in my spirit, I became comfortable with black people. They were my comfort zone. That's what I know. That's all I know. And when you say that, was mm -hmm. it because you saw how how they had like their family? How they what was it? No, no, no. It was just you know, my mom and my dad wanted me to hate them or oh, not be engaged with them. Okay. And I, to the contrary, wanted to go meet them and wanted to see how they were and desired to be friends with them. And then I'm like, you know, when I had my friends that were African-American, I'm like, they're cool. Like, I don't know what my mom and my dad are talking about. You saw that what they were saying didn't match to what right. you were experiencing. Right. Okay. So... And that's what happened. I requested a black family, and it was my foster mom, Vatalina Brown. And she's still in my life. She's already been in my life going on 15, 16 years. And you years. call her mother? Oh, I definitely call her mom. Wow. Yes, I do. And she has always told me, Priscilla, you are my daughter. She said, it's like I gave birth to you. Wow. She said, you will inherit everything that I have as well as my other biological kids. Right. So you she know. didn't treat you different. No, she didn't. She treated you like you were part of the family. Yes. Yes, yes. So did you ever feel longing for your moms when you was in her house? Like, oh, I want to be with my moms or anything like that? Did you ever right. So... It was it was a time um, when I was a little girl. I was very angry right. with my parents, mm -hmm. and the Lord had to start a healing process for me. So I've always, for a long time, desired to call a woman mom. And I remember when I started to get to know my foster mom. You know, um, I asked her. I said. You know, because I began to love her. She was loving me. She was caring for me. She was there for me, like a mom should be. I asked her, is it okay if I call you mom? And that that was just a shock for her, for me to even say that. And she said, yes, if you feel in your heart, if this is how you really feel about me, you are more than welcome to call me mom. And yeah, to this day, we have an awesome relationship and I'm very grateful for her. And um, I am healed by the things that my mom has put me through and even my father. I've always been a daddy's girl. And, you know, so whatever he tried to tell me, I didn't allow that to affect me, no matter how young I was. Right. And this is um, for me to tell every child or teenager or wherever you're at, even an adult, if you know wrong is wrong, then let it be wrong. Mm. Because people are going to try to mold you, but what are they molding you to be? Right. And 
I believe that you you really have to have a strong will when you're a child because anyone can teach you anything. And it's going to be your choice what you're going to choose wow. and what you're going to allow to let it be a characteristic in your own life. That's powerful. Because racism to me, it is a sin. It's a generational curse. And it is wrong. Period. And it does not matter what other people believe. It is wrong because along with racism, it is attached to murder. Abuse, violence, mental yes. illness. Uh, it comes yes. with a lot of different things. Ignorance. Yes. Um, so it's pretty toxic right. to be in that space. Can I share one last thing? One last thing. When I was in uh, living in Little Africa, my own people, there was... Just a handful. People. I'm talking about uh, Hispanics. Okay. It was a handful of them that did not like me, that wanted to jump me, that always had. When you say jump, mean getting beat up. Yes. So people, yeah. Okay. Because I engage with black people, and I don't mean to sound vulgar right now or ignorant because. I'm just glad that God knows my heart. I love black people. Right. But, but this is vulgar, something. Oh, no, no I'm going to share it right now. This is something that my own people, Hispanic people in Little Africa, would tell me. They would say, oh, you're a nigger lover? You're a nigger lover? And they wanted to beat me up because I engage with black people. And I had to stand. I had to stand. I was in the sixth grade. Okay, and I had to stand for what I believe in. And I said, damn right, I'm a nigger lover. And what is that? Your, what, what is that your concern? Why does that even matter? Right. You know, but see, the thing is. The word nigger. It's not attached to a group. It's not attached to, I'm sorry, it's not attached to a certain race. Anyone can be that. Because what it means is you being ignorant. It's an ignorant person. Yeah, the people who use that, definitely ignorant and um, abusive in many ways. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that word, even when it was created, it was intended to be abusive. Now, and it's right. ironic because in other cultures the word nigger means something different right right and so especially in africa um and so uh yeah you know that's powerful and you know what i am grateful for your sharing your story because we're going to bring you back for part two because um, oh, awesome. um your story is just impeccable and uh and and you know your honesty your transparency is profound and powerful and you know we need more people like you in our community you know Thank you. and um i'm proud of your uh ability to move forward be resilient and have a perspective that's healthy yes inclusive and it's based on community and helping one another not dividing us right exactly and so your message is again powerful and that's how we become strong as a as a, as a community as a nation as people right and so uh yeah that is that is great um so just tell the people who you are again uh where you at and what you do and we're going to come back for part two Okay, so um, I just uh, want to mention that I this actually came in a vision, and 
is open for anyone. I'm speaking women. It's open to any woman that is inspired by it and want to learn and grow with us. But I started a new mission and it's called Queen's Imposition because every woman is a queen and it does not matter your background. It does not matter where you came from. It does not matter the color of your skin. It's about just being a queen, learning who you are in that position and being the queen in every aspect of your life. And this is something new that I'm starting. You can find me on Facebook and it's called Queens in Position. But what I desire with all my heart is to empower young women and women to reach their fullest potential in life. And yes, that is what I desire. <laughs> Again, the amazing, the brilliant, uh, and obviously talented uh, Priscilla. Thank you again. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this time. We're coming back. Awesome. All right. Part two, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to CAB, College, Career, and Beyond. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find us on whatever provider podcast you listen to, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and more. Continue listening to CAB, College, Career, and Beyond, where we keep you ahead of the game and not behind the game.